Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Coming straight ahead, I want to talk about criminals who take advantage of the heart and destroy people financially and harm them emotionally. And coming up later, there's ugly, ugly, ugly banking scams going on right now. And the banks are kind of looking the other way. So you're the one who has to be your own detective. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do to protect yourself from your money being stolen out of your account. And the bank says, oh, well. So, gosh, scam and scam this podcast. The amount of romance scam activity going on in the U.S. and in a lot of the rest of the world is the worst it's ever been. And a big duh, why? People have been lonely through the pandemic. You know, normal social patterns broke. A lot of places, uh, not as much in a lot of the United States, but enough here, a lot of people were forced into isolation with various pandemic restrictions and a significant portion of people on their own chose to withdraw because they didn't feel safe and that loneliness has led to a just huge business for scamsters taking advantage of that earning your trust and ultimately getting you to fall in uh, in love with them online, and then coming in for the kill. New data shows from the FTC that romance scams are by far the worst they've ever been in the United States because criminals go where the weakness is, and the weakness has been in our hearts and in the loss of connection to people that so many have felt. So I need for you to know this and be aware and know that on top of it, there's been another trend that criminals have married together with the false claims on your heart to then make it even more efficient for them to steal all your money and that's stealing it through crypto. So it gets convoluted, but let me lay this out. In a traditional romance scam, someone will find their way into your heart, and the someone who's doing it could be claiming to be a, a man or a woman or whatever, and they could be who knows who. They could even send you pictures of someone that's not who they are at all. 
they could tell you this whole crazy tale that, by the way, they're probably running on a number of people at the same time. And people sometimes even get on, they have someone else get on like a Zoom or an online thing where you're talking to someone in video. It's a, it's a, um, an accomplice. And so there have been a lot of those cases recently. I mean, it, it's, it's really bad. Do you know anybody personally who's been taken in one um, of these? I know of some, a friend's parent, unfortunately, who was taken in one of these. There's also a new, there's a couple of shows on Netflix about this, like, like, documentaries um there's one guy who scammed all these women he met in person and was impersonating someone with a lot of money but he was really taking money from the other women and then of course they're in some emergency and they need money and uh these people want to give and help someone else and out of the goodness of their heart and then before they know it um they've well, we're lost all their money the yeah of course yeah so I, have, I have a longtime friend who called me and said hey i think i'm about to be taken and thank goodness he called me before oh, he had actually given money. He said, here's the scoop. And I said, I'm, and he laid it out to me. And it was like, yep, this is classic. You need to have no further contact with this person. This is not legit. Mm-hmm. And at least he had me to you yes. know, reach out to. And, and I was able to, he said, he, it was funny. You know, he said to me, he said, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> he just needed me to confirm yes. his suspicions. But Gosh. this latest wrinkle is really, really hideous. I've seen a number of news reports. There was a really well-researched one in the New York Times about people using crypto as the way to steal the money from you because then it becomes untraceable, essentially. So they, uh, they even add in, hey, I got to tell you something. I know about this hot crypto. Oh man, you're going to make so much money on it. But it's even gotten worse. The New York Times reports that there's now fake crypto exchanges that they're using to separate people from their money. And they publish fake statements showing that actually you're making huge money. And then they try to get you to get family members and others to invest through this wonderful opportunity they found for you. And before you know it, your money's gone, your family members' money's gone, your friends' money is gone, and it's all tied up, all starting with the romance scam. So I just want you to know, be careful out there. Our hearts are more vulnerable than normal because of the COVID factor of loneliness. And now you've been told to be on the lookout for it, look for the telltale signs. And when you don't get to meet somebody in person for every excuse in the world, including that they're somewhere else in the world, know that you never, ever, ever, not ever fall for any pitch, any story about their mama needs an operation or whatever, You don't fall for any of that. No money changes hands, period. And you know, when you say, gosh, that's really too bad. I wish I had money, but I don't have any I could give you. They'll drop you like a hot rock. Mm -hmm. You're done. All right, let's get to some questions. This one's from David in Georgia. We recently had a friend get injured in a horrendous snowboarding accident. He's currently paralyzed and has a long road ahead of him in medical care and hopefully some sort of recovery. 
It's terrible. This got my wife and I discussing what types of insurances we should get in case something awful happens to us. We're 40, two kids in elementary school and a single income family. We have health insurance through my employer and level term life insurance on both my wife and me. What types of insurance will help with the long-term medical care, replacing income, et cetera? So David, in your, at 40 years old, you can't protect against everything. The and this doesn't fully answer the question because this is a freak incident involving a friend probably of similar age. The one thing you've not mentioned that you have that is something anybody in their core working years should have is disability insurance. Disability insurance would not deal with if your friend needs an ultra-long stay in a long-term care facility. What disability insurance does is it provides replacement of income when you're unable to do the work that you normally do. The odds of that in your core working years, say 20 to 65, three times greater than the possibility of you dying age 20 to 65. So disability insurance is often overlooked. Um, There's a lot of priorities in life. Disability insurance can be confusing to buy. Your employer may offer it as an option in open enrollment, and it is something worth paying for because, again, the odds are greater that you would be alive and disabled versus being deceased with the, it's great you have the level term insurance, you know, I want you to have it, but the disability insurance would be the additional layer. So they don't offer it where you work, let's say. You can buy it from an insurance salesperson who sells disability insurance. And based on your type of work um, and the risk level you represent, that determines the premiums. Generally, what you buy is a policy that pays 60 or 70% of your income for the rest of your key working years till age 65. You don't buy 100% because there are expenses you don't have when you're not going to work, so you don't buy 100%. And if you're buying it yourself, Also, you get the benefit of the disability payments being tax-free if you're paying for it. From Carl in Maryland, is the federal employee TSP annuity option a possible exception to Clark's rule? I totally get why annuities are generally a terrible investment, but as a federal employee, I have an option to annuitize part of my TSP through MetLife when I eventually retire. I'm 54 currently. This option does not appear to have fees associated with it. If the interest payout climbs significantly before I retire, would the TSP annuity perhaps be worth considering for half of my balance? Yeah, so um, you didn't cuss. You know, I say annuities or cuss word, we're a family show. But the type of annuity you're talking about is a life payout. It's the equivalent of a pension. It's where you annuitize a portion of the money you built up in your federal thrift savings plan, and you get a check every month for as long as you live. This is a very viable alternative. You're going to see it from more employers. The problem historically has been the huge commissions that eat in to what you'd be receiving from a life payout annuity, not like the uh, commissions even on the annuities that I always talk about that are garbage, but a life payout annuity without having to pay the commissions involved, which you would have in the TSP annuitization, is a very good idea so that you know you never outlive your income. 
And from Michael in North money. Michael in North Carolina, Clark, you've talked about the high used car prices and what it makes sense to buy new. I typically buy a gently used car and hold it long term. However, if your used versus new logic concludes a new car purchase is a better option, should we consider leasing? If a new car purchase is $24,000, but I could lease over three years for half the cost with a 12K down payment and monthly payment with an opportunity to buy at the end of a lease, is that a smarter way to go? Appreciate your point of view. So there's nothing wrong with what you're thinking of doing, Michael, but it seems like you're creating unnecessarily complications in your life because leasing costs are going to be inflated just like purchase costs. And yes, because you are somebody who buys a vehicle and keeps it a long time, right now it makes sense to buy new instead of used with how ridiculously inflated used vehicle prices are. So, I mean, you could do the lease, but because you tend to own a vehicle long cycle, why do all that? I would just buy a new vehicle and plan to keep it 10 years or longer, and you're going to be fine. And isn't it weird? I can't think of another time in my career, because I wasn't around in, in doing this after World War II, I can't think of any other time that buying new has potentially been, particularly for long ownership cycle owners, has been typically a better decision right now in the second half of 21 and now in 22 than buying a one or two year old used car. Historically, the first year of ownership of a vehicle, a vehicle loses roughly a third of its value. Right now, one-year-old vehicles are usually selling for more than what people paid for them new. And I mean, that's freaky weird. And that's why if you can wait till a new vehicle comes in, which is why people are paying more for used ones, they can get them that day versus waiting for a new one that you order it's really better to buy brand new rather than one year old. So I feel bad because we had the big scam that we started off this podcast and the that's the scams of the heart. Now I've got the straight out scams of the wallet to share with you coming straight ahead. There's a product that I have warned you about for a good while called Zelle. Z-E-L-L-E. Zelle is something that the banks push on their customers in many cases without even asking you if you want to have Zelle attached to your account. You have the right to uh, detach Zelle from your account, and you should, because the, the ugly, ugly, ugly events involving Zelle keep going on and on and on. What is Zelle? Zelle is a cash payment app that comes with no legal or consumer protections whatsoever as far as the banks are concerned. There's some gray area there's disputing about, but it is far more dangerous to use even than the already dangerous Venmo or Cash app that have had issues with people having money stolen from them. What is it that makes Zelle so much more dangerous? Zelle is 
married at the hip to your bank account. And if a criminal is able to tap into money in your account through Zelle, the money is gone forever because the banks have been able to stop any regulatory action or, or laws being passed that would give consumers normal protection. Let me tell you what the deal is. If a fraudster hits up your bank account or credit union account, even if you got fooled by them and they get into your account, the bank has to restore your funds. That's just the law. If, they, if um, there's a hack and somebody gets into your bank account or credit union account, the funds must be restored. But the banks are tying people's accounts into Zelle because their interpretation of the law is they don't have to do that, that any fraud that occurs, it's just too bad, so sad. The ABC affiliate in the San Francisco Bay Area has been doing story after story on this. And I want to congratulate the reporters there who have fought like, I mean, like passionate dogs. They've gotten their teeth into this and they're not letting go of it, exposing how hideous the banks have behaved with the Zelle scams. Let me tell you how they work so you are aware Um, And the bank that's been hit the most are Bank of America customers, second most apparently Wells Fargo customers. So what happens is you get a text that appears to be from Bank of America or Wells Fargo confirming a Zelle withdrawal from your account. And it says if you did not authorize this withdrawal please say no now or in or whatever and then you will get a phone call that caller ids from your bank and then someone will be on the line from the bank who says well gosh this is so great we're able to stop this now there's some steps we need you to take to make sure you protect your account from being looted through this Zelle scammer. And the steps they're actually doing are steps that do the opposite, that allow a criminal to use Zelle to empty all the money from your bank account, every last penny from your bank account. The position that Bank of America and Wells Fargo have taken is that, hey, You're the one who authorized it, and there's no protection on a Zelle transaction. That's it. Bank of America, once they saw there was media focus, changed their mind and has been on a case-by-case basis restoring funds to people's accounts. Wells Fargo, typical Wells Fargo, has stood hard and fast, and they say life's tough and then you die. The worst part is the criminals, the caller ID can be spoofed, and the caller ID the criminals are using says the name of whatever bank you're with worse they're using the names of real bank of america and at least wells fargo employees don't know if this is also happening in other cases but the research of abc7 finds 
that they're using the names of actual real employees. People will Google and see, yeah, so-and-so is actually a blah, 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 Wells Fargo. So they think they're talking to a real person at Wells Fargo. Know this. You have about 100% chance that if you get any kind of text saying that there's a Zelle transaction happening and do you approve, and it's something you did not do or were not involved in, you are one step away from being scammed. Number two, there is no reason ever, not ever, ever, not ever, you should have Zelle active on any bank account or credit union account you have with any financial institution. I have an assignment for you. You need to contact your bank or credit union and make sure that Zelle is deactivated on your account. All the employees is a huge push from the banks to shift liability from them to you as a customer to violate longstanding law by having Zelle attached to your account. They will read to you from stuff that will pop up on their computer telling you how wonderful Zelle is. There is no wonderful about Zelle. It is garbage. It is trash. And the Zelle people, every time I say this, they contact us and say, this is just terrible what you're saying about us. And when Krista communicates with them, I always say the same thing. You tell them when they offer the same consumer protections on Zelle that you have on a checking account or savings account or a credit card with a bank, then I'll stop talking about your Zelle as garbage. But that's what it is. The banks do not care about you. And that's why, sorry, I hit my mic there. (laughs) I'm upset. That's why you have to make sure this is turned off. And understand the scams stealing your money through Zelle will keep morphing. What you need to know is Zelle is a no-go in your life, no matter what. Second, if you do get any kind of texts or phone calls, never trust them. You call your bank or credit union at a number that you know is valid and real on your account. And you ask them, is there any activity like this that I'm getting phone calls and texts about? And you will find out pretty much 100% of the time there is no such thing going on. Why do banks keep losing market share in the United States? Because their ethical and moral compass is broken. Krista. Okay, this is from Dennis in Arizona. And your topic about funeral home costs, you said you were going to donate your body after death to science. Do you have any recommendations on who to contact about it and who is reputable? Yeah, Dennis, usually what you do if you want to help medical research or in my case, I want to provide every organ in my body that somebody might want for transplant. And then whatever is left, if they want to research what's left and see what so many um, soft drinks and double cheeseburgers have done to the human body. You're well preserved, I'm sure. I will be well preserved. Um, anyway, usually what you do is you contact a university-based medical center. So university-based medical centers have a medical school and they have a a lot of research going on and then uh, they need 
uh, bodies for the students to learn and better they learn on a body than learn on a live person. And so I'm happy to be part of that. I know there are people who, for religious reasons, uh, believe that it is not okay to do this. For you, I apologize. Do what feels right to you. But if you're like me and you want your vital organs to live on in someone else after you die, and you want whatever's left to be used for research or any combination thereof, um, it also gives you the opportunity for free disposal of your body, which I'm also into. From Lori in Florida, Clark, my husband and I bought a home that we lived in for just over a year, then sold it due to a job transfer to another state. Our house sold for a bit over $100,000 more than what we had paid for it. Aside from being able to write off any improvements we made to the home, is there anything else we can do to limit what we'll need to pay in capital gains? We are currently renting but plan to purchase a new home in less than a year from when we sold our home. Our combined income is approximately $150,000 annually. We've been listeners to your show for more years than we can count. Thank you for all the great advice. So, Lori, this is in the list of good problems to have. When you own a home really short cycle, this is a very rare event in American history where you made a net profit that is so large from a one-year cycle of ownership. So you are going to have to pay the capital gains. You already know you can uh, reduce it by whatever improvements you made to the home. Uh, you know That gives you an adjusted basis. Any expenses you had getting the home ready for sale, anything you had to do for the buyers to the home that they found on an inspection, if you had real estate commissions, those reduce the gain. At your income level, the capital gains rate will be uh, fairly reasonable. You're probably looking at, you got all the proceeds from the sale of the home, you're probably looking at a tax bill of less than 20000 that if you had been there two years, it would have been completely tax-free. Um, now, in a situation, though, with a job transfer, and this is a year you want to use an accountant, you may be eligible for a partial exemption for capital gains because of a relocation and the cycle of ownership being shorter than two years. And know that the worst you'd face is somewhere under 20 grand typically. But this is a year that using a CPA who does tax could end up saving you a huge amount of money. From Karen in Ohio, I'm job searching in the tech field. And yesterday when I spoke with a hiring manager regarding salary, he mentioned RSUs. I'm completely out of the know on this concept. Can Clark give an overview on what they are and how to negotiate salary when RSUs are involved? This particular company is pre-IPO. And from my research, it seems like that makes any RSUs pretty worthless at this point. Do you agree? Actually, I don't agree. This is part of going to work for a tech firm, is that part of the lure of getting you there and getting you, more importantly, to stay there till options might, uh, might fund is to reduce employee turnover and attract talent. It's just how it works in the tech field. So RSUs are a form of stock options. And if the company ends up failing or they never go public, um, yes, the stock options could expire worthless. It is 
being like a combination of somebody's employee and an entrepreneur at the same time. What you're risking is, could you make more money somewhere else where the lure of stock options was not held in front of you? Or if the salaries are roughly equivalent, what your skills would bring somewhere else, then this is potentially found money for you if the company did go public or if something triggered payout of the stock options. So um, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit in you, and particularly if you like what you'd be doing at this firm, you like you think they've got prospects, and the pay is equivalent to what you might earn somewhere else, I would say no harm in you going into a job where you would have stock options as part of the mix. And uh, there are people who've worked at tech firms who may have a very different perspective. I'd love it if you post that at clark.com slash clarkstinks. If you feel like I'm making too light of the risks involved and only looking at the possible benefits. And I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. I hope there's something that you heard today, something you learned today that you can put to work in your life. And remember, you know, you don't run a marathon right away. You do things step by step. And I'm a big believer in incremental improvements and how you handle your wallet, how you handle your life. You have power, if you'll seize it, to take more control of your life, your future, and your wallet.